Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. In 2003, Rebecca Scott used her curtains to make handbags for holiday presents. Now, her team of 20 seamstresses hand sews bags and accessories for people across the nation. Every stitch and cut is done right here in the upper Midwest. Their mission? To impact people with everyday products that create joy, organization, and legacies. They cheer you on as they joyfully create and gain self-confidence by designing the highest quality handmade bags and accessories that are both stylish and organized. Rebecca, welcome to the art of seeing clearly. So, Becca, you're definitely an entrepreneur at heart, but what was your original path before you discovered what your current passion was? Well, where where were you headed before this design came about? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I was always just headed in the direction of creativity. So okay. even when I was four years old is when I learned to sew. Like I was real driven and my mom sewed and she didn't think I was old enough to handle a sewing machine. So I just kept sitting next to her saying like, I want to. And she was like, no, not yet. But I took a Kleenex box and pretended the Kleenexes were fabric and a stapler and pretended my stapler was the sewing machine. And so she was like, okay, I think you really do want to do this. So then I, I got my own sewing machine. I mean, she didn't go out and buy one, but she just had spares because that's what seamstresses do. And so I was always in the direction of creativity. Okay. It went in the direction of, and then I sewed stuff on the, at home and sold it on the playground. Everyone else is playing kickball. And I'm like, do you want to buy my hat? <laughs> what, what were you sewing for kids on the playground? Um, mittens and mittens. joke hats. And then I learned how to sew boxers because boxers, there was a small trend. Remember when girls were wearing boxers as their athletic shorts for practice? Uh, yes, actually I do. Okay. It's a sad, sad part of my history. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew how to sew them. So I was like, Ooh, I'm going to sew and sell these. And my mom drew the line. She's like, honey, we're not selling boxers. I can't, we can't do that. <laughs> so kudos to mom for knowing what would and wouldn't fly. Uh, and so I sold that for kids on the playground. And then, so I was always just sewing or creating or paint, painting and repainting rooms. So my direction has always been creativity. That is fabulous. Now you'd been into journalism for a little bit where you tell me about how does that feed into what you're doing now? So, um, I used to tell my mom, like, I'm going to create something. And I shadowed in high school for a radio station because I thought, well, I could do writing or I could create something or I could create a radio program that we got to laugh and do fun things about. So I shadowed at a radio station. I thought, 
yep, this is the direction I'm going to go. And meanwhile, my parents were still like, are you, are you sure? Cause you've always been bent. I'm like, yeah, it's super creative, but I actually didn't want to do the writing part, which is the most creative part. Um, and so I did okay. Like, and the side note is I met a boy and I fell real fast and real hard. And so I thought if I could finish my radio degree in three years, instead of four years, cause I'm a chronic overachiever, then I could marry this awesome guy. And I did. Um, and then be done with it and knew that I would probably do my own thing anyways. So, you know, when they ask that question where they say like, um, do you think you're born into entrepreneurism or does it just come natural? I'm like, for me, it was total like natural. I just always knew like whatever I would do, that's okay. But I knew I would do something on my own anyways. So how did you have the the faith that what you were going to do was going to be able to, you know, create this business and support you? Yeah. Um, I think that goes into my grit level. Like I, I'm going to write a book on it because I have to uncover for myself what that is, but I've never started something without thinking, okay, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish well, but it doesn't mean it might continue. So I just have a natural ability to be like, dig it, just try it and mm-hmm. try it at a hundred percent. So I don't have that kind of, uh, I dabble in things for sure. But I also am like, but I, I, I want to take it to the next level. And how do I just go 1% better and 1% better? Um, so I still, was, I would say I was fearful. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I am fearful. So when I started my bag business, I didn't get a loan at all. Because I thought, well, if it fails, then I haven't hurt Nicholas or myself. And he just didn't take off. Okay. So I didn't get the loan at that time for about 10 years. I was like, no, I'm just going to keep to the point of like, I cut my curtains down because they were cute and I didn't have any money for fabric. So I thought, well, my curtains are cute. So I cut those down. I don't make a cute bag. Right. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll keep trying this. So did you, yeah. did you go through all the curtains before you actually, you know, purchased other nope. fabric or no? Nope. Just the living room had, had a real dent in it for a while, but. <laughs> <laughs> so when was it that you knew your current path was where you wanted to be? When was that in kind of this, this span of time and the, uh, how long before you're like, this is going somewhere. We we're, we're moving, we're moving the needle. I'm seeing this happen. Um, so we were poor newlyweds and I don't know anybody who starts out any different, like both in college, didn't know what we do for Christmas gifts. So I sold these purses because I personally love purses. I think it's the easiest way to update an outfit. You can have like a gray V-neck t-shirt on, but if you have like a rack and bag, they're like, Ooh, you tried, like you look good. So, <laughs> I personally love purses. So I thought, well, I'll sew those. And then the order started coming because they're like, these are really cute. And so then again, that entrepreneur bone of me as a kid was like, oh, I'm going to try this. If I could do this and make a bunch of these, then I can have a bunch of kids and stay home and raise them. And that'll be great. So then I started doing that. I quit my job in radio too early. So anybody who's listening, like you probably need a little bit more in savings before you quit your degree your, or, or quit your, your day job per se. Right. Right. Just, just do, do that part. Um, I didn't, but, uh, so then I did end up quitting and then I had, but it was also good because then I was like, I got to hit the ground running. Like there's not mm-hmm. a backup here. So I got to mm-hmm. do that. And I started booking shows and then I started booking art shows and I kept getting orders and it kept taking off. And then I just really studied my customer. Like, do they like what I am producing? Or what part of this process do they love so much? Well, it was actually the creative process for them that they love so much. And I loved watching them light up when they were like, oh, 
can I have this, but with this? And then, oh my gosh, can I have a yellow zipper? And me getting to see the joy in this person manifests as they created because it's the same joy and creativity that I have was like, I'm going to provide that for a woman every single day. And so that's why it started taking off because I started to identify for myself what gave me joy and then seeing in others. Then it just, I mean, it really exploded, thankfully. So you've, you've alluded to this, um, kind of how you got to your path. What keeps you going? That same feeling. When I watch a woman say, I'm not creative. I totally couldn't do that. And then I've I'm said like, that about myself for, you know, I said that for myself for 20 years. I'm like, I'm not creative. Right. And you totally are. Look what you do <laughs> in your job when you see, um, when you help them select whatever it is they yes. want to do with skincare. That is creative because yeah. each is going to have different needs. And you're yes. going to, guys, we have an awesome Midwest thunderstorm going on. So if you're hearing it, we're going to, we're going to roll with it. We're going to um, rock it. Yeah, that's still that same. So when I just watched that woman light up, I'm like, that's what I want to keep doing with all of them. And so she says, like, I'm not creative. And I say, well, okay, let's just try. What's your lifestyle right now? What kind of roles are you doing? What kind of stage of life? Do you have multiple kids? Are they out of school? Are they, are you totally burnt out? I ask them those questions too. So then maybe we start with subtle finishes. You're asking them all these questions about a hand purse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, about a purse. Yeah. That you get that into asking them really who they are as a, as a person. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it leads to so many deeper conversations, which also led to my other businesses, because there is more to it than just a bag. So then I would say, oh my gosh, you, you seem like you're really burnt out. And they're like, yeah, I have zero ability to take care of myself. So then I talked to them about your me system. Like, how are you filling yourself up? And it seems like this is a sign of burnout for you. So and your, your bag is like a, a psychology degree in and of it's in and of itself for these, for these only people that these. can put those two sentence purse and psychology. Yes. <laughs> yes. So tell me a little about your various endeavors. I mean, you started with, with purses and you're still going on that, but what are some of the other things that you're up to? So back to my radio degree, I still, I mean, I, just a few things. So <laughs> Back to my uh, radio degree. So everybody in my family was really, really relieved that I still use my degree because, you know, that's the thing. Um, I shot to podcasting because I went to deliver my purses to one of my seamstresses so that she could get started on the next week's work. And I was put together. All of my kids were mostly put together. It was 830 in the morning. And she said, tell me this is not how you are. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you're like all put together. And it's only 8.30. And I said, oh gosh, like, no, we have mornings like that too. But then immediately I felt a, like a punch in my gut because I was being falsely humble where, yes, we have mornings like that. But for the most part, we were put together and I knew how to run my business and I knew how to run my family. And so I thought, oh wait, and the, the gut punch really made me think I could teach this to her. There's nothing fancy that I'm doing here. I am well organized, but it's nothing I couldn't teach her to do as well. Uh, so, yes. so that teaching bone and that coaching bone was like, and my radio background, I thought I could do a podcast and I'll teach people how to do this so that they feel less chaotic. And so that when we had these conversations with the woman picking on her bag, I could help her and say, you know what, let's, let's, you know, sometimes we don't even get to designing the bag. Like, let's talk about how to fill yourself up. So 
I don't know, 170 plus podcast episodes later, I'm still learning things for myself on how to help people along with organizing their life and their roles, still figuring it out myself. So that endeavor happened. And then I wrote a book based off of the podcast because my, again, listening to my customers and listeners said, I want something tangible. Like I still want to, I want something to refer back to. So I wrote a book um, slash journal so that they could write down all the things they were organizing and (laughs) all their different roles in their life. And then, um, so that's a nice little business in and of itself. And absolutely an academy Um, because even after the book, they're like, I still need more. I need more one-on-one coaching with you. Well, because of my life, I have four kiddos and an awesome husband and farm and ranch. We do construction, all these things. I thought, you know, I love you guys, but we cannot do one-on-one. That's not going to work for me, but I could do coaching in a group setting and I could provide a digital course of nine modules of my favorite systems to implement. So I launched the Encourager Academy And that has been a fantastic vehicle to funnel people to who do want more. And then it also has an offering for one-on-one coaching within it as well. How long have you been doing that? The Encourager Academy started on September 1st. Okay. Okay. What's the response been? Great. Uh, Great for me personally, (laughs) thankfully, like of it as well, but they couldn't, the reviews kept saying, I can't believe I made it so difficult. So there must be something about, I'm very practical. I don't know if it's yes. like a family thing or a Midwest thing, or I don't know, but I just really, I don't make them do like, oh, you just think you're going to make it and you're going to make it. I'm like, no, nah, that, yes, you need a positive talk, but let's get down to the nitty gritty. Here's how you're going to do your laundry. Like <laughs> set up a day. Here's, here's how you're going to get yourself ready in the morning and your kids. Yeah. And here's why you need to change out of your leggings. Like here's some practical things about how to get it done. And so I love the advice was like, it was way more applicable than they thought it would be for regular coaching. Like, and, Hey, this is doable things. These yeah. are, these are just, it's, it's coaching in a different way than they were maybe expecting. Well, and it's really dialed in on four systems. So I think women have these four systems in general, it's kind of turning into five. The more I listen again to my customers and my listeners, um, your me system. How do you take care of yourself? How do you fill yourself up? What are your burnout signs? All those things. We cannot run on 35% charge, right? Your cell phone would die at noon. So why do we think we can run on that? No. So how do you fill yourself up? Then your food system, because Mm -hmm. I want to think about it or not, we're all saying like, oh gosh, what's for dinner? Well, I don't want you to do that at 430 in the afternoon, like decide early. So I walk them through like, let's talk about what's food for you. Um, And then uh, work system, because we all have to work. Uh, thankfully, blessedly. So if your work is stressful, I help walk them through, like, maybe you're in denial that you cannot no longer do 60 hours a week. You got to narrow it. Or you're not being honest and you're cramming in a 40 hour work week in 20 hours. Like, okay, let's just get honest about your work and what your system is around that. And then of course your family system. How do you, what traditions do you want to have? And what do you want your family to be known for in with, within itself, not, uh, you know, like you guys prioritize three things. Uh, Nick and I picked three qualities for our family so that when they left home, they'd be like, the Scott kids are humble and they're kind and they're honest. And we just agreed on that. So within those systems, I just walk them through, I give them examples of what I do, but the beauty of it again is I'm just telling them, what is it for you? And giving them a simple paper that asks the question so they can fill it out 
and start implementing it. So it's really, really, really practical and applicable. And then they can just launch and start it. How do you get, you talked about listening to your customers' feedback. Mm -hmm. How are you actively searching for that? Does it just come to you that people are, I mean, sometimes people just give feedback unwarranted, but as a business owner, you also sometimes have to actively seek what you want to hear and learn and grow from. How do you do that? Um, all, all kinds of different ways. You know, you could do like the, the business way where you just do a survey, but for me, so I get the privilege of going to art shows. So I get to see people one-on-one make eye contact and I'm like, Hey, and maybe they have a current bag. They're like, Oh my gosh, I love this. But now I get to downsize because I'm past that stage. I'm like, great. Well, how come you're downsizing? What's going on? So then I can find out more about their roles and what they're maybe excited about or taking on. And then ask them like, hey, was there anything about the other bag that you wish would have been in the, that wouldn't have been there or that would have made it that much better of an experience? Mm-hmm. And really be your, like your posture has to be completely open. Like literally hold your palm by your side open to receive what they're about to tell you. Because if you start clamming up, they're not going to be honest. They'll be like, no, it's fine. It's just totally fine. And I don't want totally fine. Like I, I have goals and I want to be, as the largest handcrafted business in the United States. So how do I do that? Well, I got to be really open to what they want to say. How do you, I mean, you, all these different businesses that you have, I mean, they're, they're within a brand, but yeah. how do you, and I look at your family as a business too. So how mm-hmm. do you run and organize all of these companies, brands, businesses? How do you manage that organizational scheme? Well, you got a lot going on. Is it yeah, just do. you? Do you have a, no. a, a tribe, no. a posse? What happens? All, all of the above. So again, four goes, kids. <laughs> right, right. I go back to those systems frequently, like, okay, work seems like I'm taking on a lot. So what do I need to communicate to Nicholas? Like, hey, for the next three months, I just need permission to work on Wednesday nights only till midnight. So I like think through this one needs a little bit more attention. And so I just got to be honest, I need more hours. Um, but I definitely plan every week and every quarter for the businesses. I plan quarterly and I also plan quarterly for our family. So Nick okay. and I sit down, this is an awesome free resource on my um, podcast called a spousal business meeting. Is that sexy or what? Right. <laughs> so You know, it, it may not be, but I think it leads to, well, it's going to sound bad that it leads to that, but it, it leads to just a, a, sounds like a better relationship and you're communicating and you're just, it is, it is a, it's a personal relationship, but it is kind of a business that you're trying to run too within a family. Well, it allows you to get to the fun part of marriage. Say, say that again. Spousal what? Spousal business meeting. Spousal and, business meeting. Mm-hmm, <laughs> have ours once Good. a month. You could do quarterly if you wanted. Kind of depends. We are farmers and ranchers, so it's better for us to do monthly. But we sit down together and go, okay, what are your expectations for the next month? Like, what are you forgetting to tell me that you're expecting me to be very available and I didn't know it? Yeah. So, and vice versa. Like, why aren't you available in November, Becca? Because it's retail season. Um, so that helps us stay organized as a family because I believe that's your first priority. And then I'm like, okay, well, we got to prioritize the business. Everybody, I think I think uh, Becca's getting rained and hopefully not hailed on. Debbie can handle it if we get hailed. I tried to park strategically. Um, so to organize all the businesses, I have a team helping me, and they're amazing human beings. I have an assistant. Um, if I'm not super skilled at it, 
I do think, okay, who could do this better so that I can stay in my lane? Because as I know, I've been creating since I was a kid. So I could never hire out the design part or at least parts of it because that just comes natural that's, to me. That, that's your, that's your, that's your yeah. passion. That's your baby. That's where your skill set is, is so strong. If you're really, if you're dialed into what gives you joy and where your super skill, I call it your super skill in my book is, then the rest you can hire. And you might have to do it incrementally. Like you can't just start out hiring an assistant. That would be great. Sometimes you can. So maybe it's just five hours a week to your best friend who's more organized than you are at whatever it is. But I definitely have a team helping me stay organized. But our biggest thing to run everything is to do it in advance not do not roll day to day there's too many of us that think well we'll just do day to day and it'll work out not profitably you gotta plan ahead i love i love that point that you made about um i mean number one i can really tell that you are a planner i know you've got your week laid out the hours laid out of those days of what you're going to do so you can effectively and efficiently accomplish those goals that you have set out for yourself and i that's i think that's a huge uh, takeaway for people and that a lot of people do um, a lot of people don't plan possibly like they should, and you're planned for success. I also loved um, the point you made of when that that person in your life and that partner in your life gives you, you're like, I'm asking for permission, but I'm telling you what I need so that not only do they know what you need, but there is something I, I thought of that this, this last week too, how good it feels for someone to say like, it's okay, go ahead and do that. Like you have my permission, like, to that it's all right go hit those golf balls go go ride that bike go go do it because you you need to but to have somebody give you that permission even though you don't necessarily need their permission it just changes that relationship so much oh it's so beautiful and even when your children see that you're prioritizing different things they're like it gives them permission to someday do the same thing like why do you always escape on a Wednesday to go to Hobby Lobby or go get creative? I'm like, oh, because it fills me up. They're like, huh. So it, yeah, it's really good for the permission, even though you don't need it, just to admit it to each other. Becca, I know you're a real big advocate for um, moms who work from home. How does your business tie into that for what you see for women in our society? Well, it's interesting. You know, we've been working from home for 17 years now before it was cool. <laughs> or necessary, right? Um, and the question is, how do I see it for women in the future? Well, I don't know about you, but I love studying what the landscape is doing now post-COVID. Like, okay, everybody is doing what I think we've been doing naturally for 17 years. Is like, well, that worked for them, but maybe that doesn't work for us. What do we want to do? And I knew right away I wanted to work from home so I could be at the helm of things and um, probably at the time it was a control thing with kiddos, but now I just love it because it is my source of joy and creativity and they inspire things. So I think if women can just advocate for what brings them joy and where their real skill set is, that will be what we implement going forward, which may mean you guys, you need an office. It may mean like, you're like, no, I cannot get a thing done at home. That's totally fine. Just admit yourself like give yourself permission to be like this does not work give me a beautiful space outside of these four walls great then choose that but I don't think we allow ourselves enough time to admit this is not working or I actually really love working from home okay great then let's think about what that looks like 
as you look at you from the outside, you're someone who has, I mean, been self-made, but also experienced great success. Um, and as you um, hear you talk, I mean, that doesn't come without work, but people might look at you like, oh, success, success, success. But there's also probably had to have been some failures in there too. Tell me yeah. about one of those and and how you might have overcome a, a failure um, because, and I just want to see how you view failure. Oh, well, I have so many to report on. And if this gives permission, all of my lessons are crazy expensive, everybody. <laughs> because <laughs> I so I highly encourage a little bit more research behind your ideas because I like to just like, well, let's try it. Um, one of my biggest mistakes that I learned so much from, so I'm really glad it happened, was a while back, I needed more sales. And at the time, people were doing trunk shows, meaning like the Mary Kay and the Tupperware parties where your girlfriends come over and then they design something or buy something together. Well, I knew I had enough foresight to say, these are ending. People are not committing to these anymore but how can I still get product in people's hands? So what I did was ask my sales reps at the time, what would you do? Now, I do want to say my sales reps was literally my twin sister, a cousin, and my college roommate. So let's not elevate this, okay? We're keeping it real. And this is so, so I asked them as my sales reps, because they were going out and doing shows for me, what, what do you think we need? And they said, we need a catalog said, oh, like a glossy page thing that had the purses so that when we went and we're not Becca selling it, uh, we could show them like all the different styles and the different fabrics. And I'm like, done, print job. I love this. We can handle this. So we do that. We get a, I get a graph designer. I get a printer. I get the layout. We figure out the models. I'm like, this is, this is gold. This is going to be awesome. So they could take the catalog to a place of business, but not have to commit to a party at night. Mm -hmm. So like dentist office and all the women in there are like, oh my gosh, you're hosting, cute. I'll get this, I'll get this, I'll get this. That was my thought process. Alongside my sales reps, we were all on board. We print the catalog. It costs $10,000. I want to get real with the numbers here. $10,000. I literally, did I sell? I sold something for that. Usually it's livestock, but I sold something in order to pay for it, okay? <laughs> we do the catalog. I don't like the catalog. I, the model was a 12 year old that I didn't have enough heart to say to the graphic designer. I don't like this. Like I was not good at myself giving feedback for what I knew. So I was like, Oh, I'm just going to trust her. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the 12 year old's face on it. It was just her body, like from the shoulders down. So that's why she thought it would work. Ah, so like, know your things. No, it's okay to be confident in what you know. So I learned that. Then um, the print job was okay, but my price points are anywhere from $150 to $300, okay? If you're at a place of business and someone is selling a Tupperware bowl for $12 and someone is selling a purse for $150 that you have never seen, felt, or known, which one are you going to buy? <laughs> you're going to buy probably the Tupperware unless you know that product. Yes. Right? You're not going to spend time unless you knew it. And I had a website, but it wasn't great. So they could go and like check my work. And so it bombed and I'm telling you bombed. And I already said the number. So this is like, I put my pretty little chart up about how I was going to make the $10,000 back in six months or less. And it was all going to work out. And I knew the little places of business that I want to stop at. It made $602. <laughs> and I, of it 
was probably the sales reps feeling bad and buying. <laughs> they bombed. So it bombed bad enough that I couldn't bounce back as my husband would say, you always bounce back quicker than anybody. This one, I really had to like sit, like sit in the fetal position and figure out what happened. And after some thought, I thought I asked the wrong audience. So I asked my sales reps because they're in charge of sales. What do we need? What I didn't do was ask my customers, what do you want from me? And what the customers would have said, and I already knew it. So if I would have spent some more time reflecting, they needed a better website. That's what they wanted. They didn't have to go through a sales rep to get to me. They just needed a better landing spot. Just love that. Ask the right audience. Oh, ask the question. So don't ask who we think might be good at the answer, but ask, ask the right audience. It's kind of same of like, who are you marketing to? You better be marketing to the right audience. Yeah. Yes. Like if I would have just asked them, I know they would have said that. I know that I would have saved the 10,000, but here's the thing. I I'm glad because I learned always ask your customers before you, before we introduce anything, we ask like, Hey, do you like this? Um, and then I was able to, I got a brand new website. It was beautiful. It continues to be awesome. And it cost another 10 grand to do the website, but I paid that off in six months, of course, because it's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so with your lessons, sit within them because I am not the only one, but I know I have a lot of grit. So my instant is like, well, I'll just outwork it. But sometimes you got to sit and think with it. What mm-hmm. happened? And that one was painful. So I had to think about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have um, an amazing team of uh, seamstresses. Uh, You've got friends, family. I'm sure that people that are now become your, you know, extended family members. But how would your team describe you? Oh, uh, well, energetic (laughs) is usually one of the first words. Um, Magnetic, like I just attract things because probably of my energy. Um, very decisive, which is as a leader, a really good quality for my employees. Cause they're like, Becca will know she'll make the decision quick. But for myself, I have to be more careful about how quickly I make a decision because it could be a big, fat, expensive one. And so I've learned to really be, uh, really listen to the question. Where did the question come from? Like it wasn't them or they politely saying it for a customer. Um, so being decisive would definitely be what they say, but it's also, uh, can put a hindrance on me as well. That's fair. Some of our best qualities are sometimes in other areas, maybe not our best qualities. Do you feel like that, uh, decisiveness, uh, is necessary to be an entrepreneur or a leader? Yes. I'm like a hundred percent. We spend way too much time. See, now I'll go the other direction where, you know, I can just swing the pendulum. Like we spend way too much time wondering, well, will it fly? Will it fly? Ah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, just try it. Just try it. I always say do 1%. Send the email. If they tell you no, oh, moving on. Do like Google search it. Like ask the customer, what's the most they can say? They can say, I hate it. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Were you thinking of a different color? Or like, where did I miss the mark for you personally? And so I would say just it's start it. Just start it. We waste too much time going back and forth. There's another, um, you know, adage in businesses like sometimes eighty percent is okay. We don't always have to be a hundred, but we do need to move forward and make a decision. Whether that decision, quote unquote, ends up in the right direction, the wrong direction, it's all going to eventually lead you to where it needs to be anyway. Yeah, and I always say like play out your worst fear. Like if you yes. are 
at the 80% and you're like, well, what's that 20% that you're afraid of? Play out what happens. If it bombs, what do you do? Yes. Then if you, it's like your brain relaxes because it's like, okay, I do know what the worst case scenario is. That would be bad, but it's still recoverable. Like recoverable. Okay. I, I like that recoverable. Um, what motivates and inspires you? Nature. That's a loaded question for you, but what, what truly at the end of the day gives you your motivation and inspiration? Uh, nature is one of a big one for me. So I love, uh, I love God is the creator. Listen, the first Bible verse is God created. Don't you think he would have done something fun? So he definitely loved <laughs> So that inspires me that like his first action was, oh, I'm going to create something. I love that. So I'm definitely inspired by nature's colors and its textures and what it mimics and the flow. So I definitely love uh, florals and colors and the ultimate designer. Like I still look at a zebra and go, oh my gosh, what was he, what zone was he in when he created a zebra? Like, it's just amazing to me and cheetahs and all these beautiful patterns and the rose and blah, blah, blah. So definitely uh, nature and God's creation is my biggest inspiration. But I also love, um, again, the practical needs of women. I like watching them. I like people watching and going, why is she wearing her bag like that? And then I watch her quick get into it to get the pacifier out or to get the tickets out for the sporting event before they stamp her finger. I'm like, oh, because it's practical. It's ugly. So I can help her with that. But it's because it has an outside pocket. So those, those just everyday scenarios, that inspire me as well. To like keep creating, to keep the woman confident and organized. But um, you've had you know, so many blessings in your life and looking at, you know, things from afar. Um, we see that. And again, there are always, there are always struggles behind that at the same time, but what are you most proud of in your life? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Um, probably my ability to bounce back and, um, to be humbled really quick. Like if you can get in check with your ego and where you're going, uh, being humbled allows me to like sit within that and go, okay, well, what did I learn and how can I do better? Mm -hmm. And then be able to bounce back. I'm really proud of, um, it's not that I'm framing up things in a nice little hat when they aren't, but what can I learn from this? Because it happened to me for a reason. So what can I learn from this? Um, I lost my older brother to suicide in 2014 and that crushed my family, obviously. Uh, but what I, and I still can't put a pretty neat little bow on it. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. But I have framed up a little bit more about what life is and who is important and how to plug into people. And goals are fantastic, but don't put a goal on family moments and family memories. And so to, to treasure those. But even for my family, it brought us closer when a lot of families would fall apart. And we did have some falling apart, which is totally normal. But also remembering that we are in this together brought us back together. And that's not necessarily mm -hmm. that back, but just like, we have a choice. We have a choice that will work through this uncomfortableness about however, whatever happened, or we have a choice to just not talk about it and fall apart. And I'm really proud that, uh, we chose the opposite. We chose to work through the uncomfortable and get closer as a family. There's an amazing art and you could say creativity to how you see the world and uh, that clarity that you constantly seek to find and have found uh, throughout your life. What are some of your personal techniques for seeing the world better and seeing yourself better? What do you do for Becca Ooh. to help keep you 
in, you know, where Becca needs to be. I think I would borrow this phrase from Bob Goff, one of my favorite authors, is God gives you an all-access pass. And I always had that mindset, but didn't have somebody put the words to it. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing all along. I treat everything like it's it's accessible to you as much as it is, is to somebody on the East Coast, to the West Coast, in Mexico, in in Paris. Like they have all the access that we do, especially now. Like we're one Google search away from whatever we want to do. And so uh, that really defines a lot of how I operate as, all right, we could do that. Like, let's think this through. What would it mean my version of it be? And what would, uh, if I'm helping encourage someone else, what is your version of that? Because I don't want to frame up what it looks like for you if that's not what it looks like. So that definitely defines myself. What are some of those personal things that you do beyond a business sense that this grounds me? This is what, what fills my bucket that I need in order to keep me able to go at this pace. Oh, well, that, you know how I love exercise. Like I did 13,000, yeah. so, 13,000, is that what it was? Just that. Um, I have abnormal amounts of adrenaline, as you can probably hear in my voice. And so I've learned over the years to like, uh, how do I use that for good and not for evil? Cause it can also be an addictive personality. And so exercise super grounds me because it wipes me out. And after it has wiped me out, then I'm able to get in a spiritual mode because I have been depleted of the energy. And then I'm able to really dial into what he's currently doing in my life. And so it's really important for me to spend loads of time in prayer and I'm not asking or telling you to like, you got to sit down for 30 minutes and pray and listen. Mine is on the move because that's how I was made. So it may be when I'm vacuuming, it may be when I'm driving, but I'm constantly saying, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. What do you need from me now? And so continually dialing myself into what God is revealing to me in that moment uh, really grounds me. I mean, nothing's more humbling than failing or running a business or trying to parent when you're like, okay, I get it. I don't know how to do this. Will you show me? Amen, girl. You have been just a joy to visit with today. Um, again, no one could even listen. They can't necessarily see you, but no one could listen and hear your voice and not just feel that energy, that passion, that joy, that positivity that you, you exude. And uh, I just want to say thank you so so much for spending some time with us, visiting with us on your personal art of seeing clearly, not only from an entrepreneur business sense, but also from the personal side. So Becca, best wishes um, and keep keep going strong. That little energizer bunny in you, I don't think we'll give up. <laughs> nope. Nope. It won't ever run out either. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.